You're gone. What's up, everybody? We're back on the West Coast Preps Podcast Network. It's been a while since you've seen my beautiful face. But we've also got Alex Simpson joined by me, the catapult scouting legend. He's got the Top Gun mustache going on, joined here by Chris. Oh, yeah. How's it going in SoCal, Alex? How's everything going go- my way? It's going well, man. It's going well. It's definitely an exciting time here with uh, summer camp season. You know, the kids are starting to ramp up, see the scholarship offer starting to funnel through the Twitter page, the Twitter, uh, the Twitter space. And it's just really exciting to see these much-deserving scholarship offers come through here in California. But the sun is shining. It's a beautiful Monday here in SoCal. And excited for the fall season here coming up in a few months. How important are these showcases and camps for these kids? Man, I tell you what, I think these showcases are major parts of the recruiting process. You know, I think just getting your face out there, you know, really being able to show what kind of body type you're producing right now to these high, to these college coaches, showing that you've really been putting in that work this offseason and that you're really starting to improve, you know, technologically. You're starting to become more technologically sound. You know, you're improving fundamentally. You're learning more about the game. You're able to move faster at the college pace. You're showing these college programs that you are, you know, proving to them that you can play at that level um, and just getting your name on their board. I think more so than just being a scholarship guy, you know, when you get out to these camps, you're getting your name in front of these college coaches. I think that's a huge thing. And just getting that exposure out there to those guys and getting out to these camps, I think it's a huge part to the year development. So um, definitely a big part in the recruiting process. And I'd say take advantage of it so far these last couple of weeks. Maybe your guess, what percentage of recruiting is a kid's high school film? What percentage is them going to camps and showcasing and showing what they have there? And what percentage maybe is everything else if you just had to take a little guess at it? I know it's probably different for every coaching staff, but on average. So you're saying breaking down the camps? Well, you're talking about college showcases or yes, would yes, you mind rephrasing yeah. that? Yeah, the, the college showcases like the, what the Fresno State one, Sacramento State, San Jose State, all the ones that we've had held. Are, are you just saying, like, stage them from importance? or what yes, you yes. So, like, let's say maybe a film is 40% of a kid's recruitment is how important it is, showcases are right. 20% and whatever. Just kind of gauge it like this. Well, I, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think film is a huge part of the recruiting process. So I would put that at the top end of the percentage. I'd even give it 50%, 50 to 55%. Um, I think film is a huge part to really being able to prove that you can play at the next level, um, showing that you could showcase yourself at a high talent, Um, being able to play at this level, you know, at the high school level, we got tough football here in California. So if you can be the top end of your competition, be first team all section, first team all region, and really prove to be a standout prospect in your area, um, I highly suggest, man, that that you put out the product on the the field. I think that's just really important. So I'd give that 50, 55%. Um, And then in regards to the showcases and camps, that's definitely a huge part of the recruiting process as well. Um, I would give that a 30% portion of how important that is. Um, just being able to get your name out there to these college coaches, um, showcase how big you've definitely gotten from the last season to currently now. Um, I think that's a really big part of showing yourself to those college coaches. Um, also, like I said earlier, showing that you're, you're technologically sound, that you've improved your mechanics, um, you've improved your technique, um, you've improved your football IQ. Um, I think that's really huge in the football recruiting process. Um, and then I think the next part that we really got to dive into, man, is being able to self-market yourself to these college coaches. Um, I, I think that is just the huge, you know, the, the icing on the cake, in my opinion. Uh, I think that's really what's going to set you apart, is really being able to consistently post Twitter videos of you at these camps and combines. Um, also being able to continuously post videos of you working out, getting ladder work in, um, really being able to show you know the route tree, 
um, being able to show you if you have hip flexibility, good hip movements, and if you're a quarterback, you're constantly throwing out your receivers and really being able to improve that chemistry with your guys. Um, I think that's a huge part, just being able to self-market yourself there. Like, like Chris and I talk about, man, make sure you consistently get those GPAs updated in your bios. Your updated height and weight is in your bios. And, I, you know, we, we got to also get that accurate height and weight. If you're going to put 6'3", and we see you in person and you're 6'1", in our database, we're going to put 6'1". Um, so make sure you get that accurate height and weight. Current high school you're at. Um, I think that's super important to all, all the guys that are, you know, currently recruiting you, all the college coaches and scouting guys like us. We want to know which high school you're currently at. Um, another thing that's really important is your current ACT or SAT score. Um, that's really important to what you've gotten so far on those tests. Um, those are really important to the application process. Um, you know, I just think also a grad year, what year are you graduating high school? That's another thing that's really important to us right now is just currently making sure you're a 2023 guy, 2024, 2025, 2026. We need to identify that you are one of those guys. So make sure you have that grad year, GPA, updated height and weight, current high school that you're currently at. Um, and obviously test scores are really important as well. So Make sure you got all that information and maybe even a contact info, an email, a cell phone number. You know, contact info is really important. Even your high school coach's email or cell phone. Um, just make sure you're marketing yourself in the right way so that when you're on Twitter, um, you're able to project yourself to that wide audience and market yourself to that wide audience of all college coaches from D1 to D3 and NAIA as well. And the best part about all of this, about Twitter, about Catapult, about us, is it's completely free to the student athlete, right? To make a Twitter account, you don't got to pay a freaking cent. You can do everything. Right. You don't have to post your personal life on Twitter. Just post your film. Everything else you've got on there with us, Catapult, our system's free. Take a few minutes, fill out the form. I know we'll always tweet that stuff out every day, but it's also how are you going to get a job if you don't market yourself and apply unless there's X amount of jobs, maybe you build connections and it just gets put in. But for the most part, how are you going to get a job if you don't apply, you don't send out your resume, you don't send out emails, and you're not on all those ones? How are you going to expect to get some of these scholarships you're looked at for most kids, if you're not putting your name out there, I think that's probably the most important thing. Oh, definitely, man. That's a pivotal part. And I think I'll even dive back on my own recruiting process. Um, back in 2016, I was a 2016 uh, three-star inside linebacker, all state in California and LA, all LA, LA city section here in the Los Angeles area out of Palisades High School. Um, I signed with the University of Nevada at, a time with, at the time with Brian Polian's staff. Um, and really a big part of my recruiting process was being able to self-market myself to all these college coaches. Um, I use the resource that all of us recruit, all the recruits currently today are using, and that's Twitter. Um, the app is free, doesn't cost a penny. Catapultsurvey.com also doesn't cost a penny, free to every recruit in the country to be able to give yourself that advantage to get exposure. But man, I put all that necessary info I was just talking about earlier in my Twitter bio. Um, I made sure to update my huddle links, make sure and put my huddle profile link in my bio. I think that was a really big thing because when coaches were filtering through my film, they didn't only want to just watch um, my highlight film, my best plays. They wanted to watch every play. So when they found me on huddle, they, they saw my profile. They wanted to watch game film and be able to really break down my tape from every play, not just the plays I did well. Um, so really being able to have all of those necessary things in your bio will really kind of set you apart. And that's what really set me apart was the way that I consistently self-marketed myself and put videos out there of myself consistently working out, put videos of myself consistently out there from, you know, a huddle link standpoint, three game highlight, five game highlight, uh, junior season, senior season highlights. Those are really important to continuously update yourself. And that's really why you'll put yourself on the map on top of just making plays. 
you know, marketing yourself is a really big part to that recruiting process and really get yourself in, in the, uh, in the window of, of all those college coaches. Something I'd love to dive into as well, your background, right? You played high school football, big time in LA. You played division one football at the FBS level. Now you're a college scout. So just take me through your career. What got you to playing college football? What led you to Nevada? And ultimately after that, what got you into scouting and with Catapult? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I had a pretty unique journey. Um, you know, I've kind of seen it all in a sense. So they call me a journeyman in a way. So, um, you know, started my high school career out here at Palisades High School in the L.A. City section. Um, really solid competition out here. Some of the best teams in L.A. at the time were Narbonne, Crenshaw, Dorsey, um, Birmingham. Really great talent out here in the L.A. area. Um, so I ended up rooming with a few guys from Narbonne when I played in Nevada at the time. Uh, Danny Brown and Lawson both had great careers in Reno. Um, but yeah, no, so it was a three-star linebacker in the LA City section, um, really had a solid high school career, um, ended up signing with the University of Nevada over scholarship offers from BYU in New Mexico, um, and ended up playing there under Brian Pullian's staff. Um, really was thankful for my experience there. Ultimately, you know, knew it was best for me to, to transfer and, and explore other options um, after some time there in Nevada. So I ended up actually playing D3 football for a spare of time at Elmhurst College, which is now Elmhurst University. It's a D3 school in West Suburban area of the Chicagoland area. Um, played there, um, you know, under coach plans. Really good dude. Um, but I ended up actually uh, tearing my rotator cuff and uh, um, also tearing my labrum and my shoulder in the first game there for the Elmhurst Blue Jays. And kind of knew, looked up in the sky and said, all right, you know, I think it's time to ultimately go to college and get a really good experience. So um, ended up transferring, finishing my education at Arizona State, um, where I studied communications. And really, that's where I got into exploring my passion of scouting and talent evaluating. Um, I worked for Rivals.com for two years over there, covering Arizona high school football and recruiting. Um, really got to dive in on scouting reports, um, analyzing the high school talent out there, ranking guys, um, really being able to explore and go take a deep, deep dive outside of just playing the game of football and really being able to evaluate the talent from positional, possessional breakdowns. Um, so really got to expand my passion there and really loved it and really had kind of an obsession for it, you know, for those couple of years. And I just really being able to explore that other side of the game of football um, really made me want to dive into a full-time career in this. So um, after college, covered USC football and recruiting, covered Pac-12 football and recruiting for Rivals.com as well. Um, Catapult Sports reached out to me April of 2021 and, you know, offering this job here as California scouting director here. Um, and I'm super thankful for the opportunity to be here, give back to my home state, um, really being able to understand the recruiting landscape here in the state of California, I think was a big thing for me. Um, just having been a recruit and having that experience um, was just su super helpful for me in this transition here at Catapult. Um, and I've loved my job ever since. So it's been really great to be able to give back to the community, give back to the state and show these kids, man, that, you know, doing the right things and taking the right steps in the recruiting process can help you get to the exposure you know, for D1, Division Three, in NAIA colleges. And how important is Catapult for kids and what separates this company you know, from everybody else? I, I think Catapult is a huge part in the recruiting process here for kids. Um, I think when I look back on my recruiting process, you know, Catapult wasn't, wasn't fully around when I was, was I, when I was in recruiting. Um, XOS Digital was around, um, but I didn't have the knowledge of Catapult. I, you know, I think if I had the knowledge of Catapult, you know, like I do now, obviously I think it would have really changed my recruiting process quite a bit. Um, you know, being able to reach out to guys like myself and Chris, um, being able to put yourself on our platform, our database, get yourself in, you know, the wheelhouse of what we do. Um, you know, we work directly with these college programs, you know, in the Pac-12, in the Mountain West, 
um, all schools around the country and over 250 plus colleges from D1 to NAI. So um, we do a great job of really being able to filter the information that you guys give us, which is your huddle links, your Twitter bios, um, your current height and weight, your current contact information, and all of your updated information for us. We funnel all of that, you know, directly to some of the top college programs in the country, and they have access to all of that so that you are in, you know, their window of viewing, you know, in the recruiting process. So uh, for, I think Catapult is just a major tool for these college programs, and it's a major tool for you to get that exposure you deserve, and it's all free to every prospect around the country. So I think it's a major tool for success here in recruiting, and, you know, we're, we're changing the game here, man, day by day. So, you know, get, get with the train while it's rolling. Now, what about those tracking devices we would put on kids? So I know at the camp we held there a couple months ago, the West Coast Preps camp only put on kids. But And I know you've had these kids wear them at practices. Right. Else. Let's go more into these tracking devices. I know it's very unique. We're seeing it, all these different schools. Clemson football has posted it. West Virginia running law school. Hills posted it. I know I've seen so many different big-time D1 schools posting those catapult wearables. Heck, I think the Wolf. It was the Warriors just had that NBA championship stuff. There's a lot of different franchises that have had that as well. So what are these tracking devices that kids are wearing and what are some of those things that it tracks? Well, the, these tracking devices are changing the game. We view the scouting process. So when we look at the 40 yard dash, right, I think that's a very nerve wracking 40 yards for a lot of the guys in recruiting. I remember when I ran my 40 yard dash at the, Nike Regional Opening Combine at Redondo Union High School is probably one of the scariest moments in my recruiting process. Um, I knew that that moment was either going to make or break me, right? I ran a 4.840, so I'm not the fastest cat on the planet. Um, but for me, um, you know, that process is really nerve-wracking for me. And I think you look at today and the way we're evaluating now with these GPS wearable tracking devices, um, we're tracking miles per hour during a game or workout. So when you hit those top end speeds of 20 to 21 and 22 miles per hour, you're thinking, what is that metric, right? What is that saying? You're hitting 22 miles an hour. That's your top end speed while you're working out during the game of football, not just a 40 yard dash. You're exerting the most energy you can during a game without even knowing it. And we're getting those metrics and sending those directly to those college programs. So that specific miles per hour um, you know, stat, I think that that's becoming the new day and age of scouting and player evaluation. And we're, we're really being able to filter that directly to these college programs. And it's a game changer. Um, it is changing the way we view evaluation. So I'm really excited about the future, the way that this is going. But man, we are taking game speed now to game of football, not just the 40 yard dash. We're taking the entire duration of a game, a, a pre-workout, a during workout, we're gathering all of that data and sending that directly to 250 plus college programs. And it's changing the way that these guys are seeing the evaluation process. You're seeing it on all Pac-12, Mount West schools, ACC, SEC, uh, Big 12, Big 10. All of these schools are using this device now so they can really track their guys' performance during a workout. And we're tracking the performance now in the evaluation process here today. How much are college coaches just even ask you about this? How much are high school coaches also asking you about this type of thing, about tracking their own kids? And how much have you seen that help some of these kids that you've helped scout and recruit down in Southern California and this entire state? Oh, I mean, we, we got college coaches all over the region asking about it. I mean, when we held our camp. You know, there were guys asking about one of the top DBs in the Fresno area. What did he run? What were, what were his miles per hour? What were his metrics there? What was his top speed? You know, they wanted to know because they're starting to see – we're really starting to turn the tide on the way we're, we're viewing the evaluation process things. And uh, they wanted to get more information. 
So to be able to gather that miles per hour metric, that's really what they're taking, you know, their hands on right now and really being able to expand the way they evaluate. So um, it's definitely becoming a big part of the college football world. We got guys all over the region asking about it and guys all over the country asking all of us scouts about what this really means and how it helps us in the evaluation process. And we're able to really identify that for those guys. And um, it's definitely becoming a game changer. I know a lot of kids, they'll say they have college football dreams. They want to play SEC, Pac-12 football, whatever it is. But it's such a small percentage. You look at these statistics, right? 7.3% of high school kids even have a probability of playing NCAA sports. 2.9% of those kids to D1, 1.9 to D2. And then just over 2% to D3, 2.5% to be exact. What separates kids from being recruited and not being recruited? How do you get yourself into that small percentage? Um, you know, I would say there, there's two things. Um, you talk about the recruiting process, right? Do you love the recruiting process or do you love playing the game of football? When you love playing the game of football, that's what's going to separate you from loving the recruiting process. You know, Twitter graphics are cool. Those photo shoots are cool. Being able to have college coaches following on Twitter, that's cool. Posting videos, that's great. But you got to love putting in the work. You got to love putting in the ground when nobody's looking. You got to be able to continuously showcase that you are a top worker on your football team and in your region and show that you're making plays, man. You're separating yourself from the average pack. If you're a second team all league guy, you know, and you're not separating yourself from the usual pack in your area, you're not going to be able to separate yourself to be a college football program, you know, changer. You got to be a program changer in your high school program in order for you to change another program at the next level. So I highly recommend separating yourself from the pack and really loving the game of football outside of loving the recruiting process. I mean, the recruiting process is great. It's enjoyable, but you're not doing the recruiting process when you're playing college football. You're grinding at four or five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, and you're making sure that you're helping your team win football games at the next level. So I um, highly suggest just grinding on the game of football, improving your football IQ. Um, really improving the way you view the grind um, and just loving the grind itself and loving the game of football as a whole. And just being able to enjoy your teammates too. I think that's a huge thing, being able to just be a part of that brotherhood, that family atmosphere. Um, I think high school football um, is, is such a beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful sport and it's such a beautiful time in your life that you got to take advantage of. And it goes by like a snap of a finger. You, you, one minute you're a freshman on JV, or you're a freshman on varsity and the next minute you're graduating high school and you're on to the next stage of playing college football. So take advantage of those moments with your teammates, with your brothers. And I think that was one of my favorite parts about playing football is being a part of that brotherhood family atmosphere and being able to come together and reach that common goal. So just really focus on the little things and enjoy the game of football as a whole and not just the recruiting process. And that's what I think is going to separate you guys from the rest of the pack. And that's, what's going to make you that first team all league all city guy. And that's what's going to put you in place to be in that small percentage to play college football at the next level. And what's that grind like playing college football? You've experienced that firsthand, D1, D3. You talked about it a little bit, getting up 4, 5, 6 a.m. for training workouts. What does that entire day entail? What's that training schedule like during the season with film and everything and also just during the offseason with spring football, summer and all that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can kind of break down my whole day at Nevada, kind of how it started. Um, woke up every day, 4.45 a.m. Uh, that was the, you know, wake-up call for us. Being in the building at 5 o'clock for, uh, we had taping. Um, we had just pre-practice being able to get in the cold tub, make, get your body loose, feel warm. Uh, just, just feel really just flexible in the way that you're getting your body set up. Um, 6 o'clock was a team meeting. 
Uh, you get in for a team meeting, you go over the way that this, the schedule is going to go for the day. Then after the team meeting, you got a special teams meeting at 645, from 645 to 7.15. And then from 7.15 to 8 o'clock, you got your individual meeting with your positional groups. Um, for us, that was, you know, I was the linebacker. So from 7.15 to 8 o'clock, you're going over the film from the previous day or going over the film from the end game, how that kind of works out, what you need to improve on, you know, what ways can you get better, and really just breaking down film from those 45 minutes and really breaking down the scheme as well, what you're doing on defense or on offense or special teams for that duration of the practice and for that next game coming up. Um, then from 8 o'clock to 9, we had a lift. And then from 9 o'clock to 12 o'clock, we had practice. Uh, we had a three-hour practice usually every day. Um, and then after 12 o'clock, you had to go to class. That's when class starts. You got class from about 12 o'clock to 4.30. Um, and then after you got class from 12 to 4.30, you come back for tutoring. Um, tutoring and then you had one more meeting at the end of the day out and then your day's probably done right around 6 6 30 and then you get in the room get a little relaxation you do it all over again the next day um, that's just a little how my day went college football playing at Nevada and it's a grind um, playing division one football it it is your full entire day is really focused around what way can we become a better program and a better team so um, and you are around those guys day in and day out and you got to make sure and get to know those guys real well because you're going to see them the majority of the day so um, it's a grind every day and you just got to be prepared for your day to be fully filled with the game of football. And you got to be obsessed and love the grind. You've got firsthand experience playing at the other levels of college football. You play D3 football. You scout a lot of kids that are also D2, D3 out here. How good is that level of football still too? I know there might be that D1 or bust mentality going out there. I know you see a lot of coaches trying to debunk that on social media, but how good right. are these other levels of football besides just division one? I, I think some of the levels of D, D, D2, D3 are really underrated. I mean, at times you got guys that transfer from D1 to D3 to get a little bit more of a relaxation out of the game of football, really be able to enjoy, you know, the small things about football. That's why I transferred to D3. You know, I spent some time at Elmhurst, but really, I think for the first time, I looked around, really loved the game of football again. Um, love being around those guys. Um, and it just kind of gives you a little step back of just, it's not as rigorous, it's not as time consuming. But it's still, man, it, it's a high level of football, man. You got guys from that Midwest region that I was playing in in that Illinois, Wisconsin area. Some big boys that are able to move around and make some plays. So um, really an underrated level of town in that area where I was playing at. And uh, there's some there's some big time football players in D3, D2. Um, you know, there are some guys a year and year out in the NFL draft that are getting drafted from Wheaton College. Uh, you've got Wisconsin Whitewater, Wisconsin Platteville. There are guys that are in those in those regions, in those areas that are going to the NFL it's happening every now and then, not every year, but it's happening. So, you know, do not underestimate the levels of D2, D3, because I'll tell you what, man, there's some big time football players making plays at the D2, D3, and even the NAIA level. I could maybe even be making plays at the D1 level, just their story took them different places, took them a different route, took them a different trajectory. Uh, but I'll tell you what, man, do not look down on D2s and D3s. There's some good football there, man, no doubt. And what's your biggest regret from your recruiting process? What's one thing now maybe you would change or do differently and some advice for these younger kids coming up today? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think for me, I don't have any regrets. Um, I'm thankful for the way my recruiting process went because I look back now at 24 years old. I'm able to help kids now of this generation um, really filter through and understand the recruiting process as a whole. I think the one thing, the way that I look back, I wish I knew more. If there's one thing that I could say, I wish I knew more. Other than that, no regrets. I'm, I'm thankful for all the learning experiences I had, the ups and downs and twists and turns. 
They helped me really develop this deep level of modular recruiting process as a whole to where I can help kids of this generation navigate the recruiting process the right way. Um, really help them find the right keys to success in recruiting because I'll tell you what, it's one of the tougher processes you'll go through um, in your, the span of your young, young adolescent years. So highly suggest when you're going through the recruiting process, just be able to find all the right guys like Chris and myself, just be able to reach out, ask questions, um, really be able to get a deep understanding of what the recruiting process is like. And I'd be more than happy to answer those questions for you. And what were you looking for in a school and what's your advice to kids on maybe some priorities, things they should look for and evaluate when also looking for maybe schools to attend? Definitely. I mean, I think back then in the recruiting process, what I was looking for um, was a cool stadium atmosphere. Um, I was looking for a brotherhood camaraderie. Um, I was looking for my preferred major in broadcast journalism communications. Um, I think if I look back and, you know, look at now, what would I, what would I look for now? Um, are these coaches promising me playing time? Because if they're promising me playing time, I'm going to host that red flag right away. Um, I think nothing is promised in college football, and I'll tell you that right now. Um, in, in the college football world, in the college football space, everything is earned. It's not given in college football. You can't be a high school athlete and expect to be given a college spot right when you get to that college level, either D1 through D3 and NAI. You got to go earn that spot. You got to go earn your keep because those guys have been there three to four years. I've been crying day in and day out. So uh, everything is earned in college football. But yeah, if a college coach is promising you playing time, host that red flag right away. Um, you know, I think the other thing you got to look for when you're in this, um, when you're in this recruiting process as well as when you go on these visits, right? Do you see yourself there three to four years, right? I went on my visit and I was on my visit enjoying the three to four days I spent there not visualizing myself in that seat, looking around in that environment, surrounding myself with these people. I didn't look at it from a three to four year standpoint. I looked at it from what I was seeing right now and I really enjoyed it. But when you take your seat in that team room, when you're driving around in that city, when you're driving around in that area, in that environment, are you comfortable there? Are you happy spending your everyday life and your days off in that space, in that environment, in that city? You have to fully be happy with the fact that you're going to be there for not only three to four days, but three to four years. And I want you guys to fully understand that these are really big things to look into. And when you're talking to these college programs, these coaches, are these coaches preaching family or are they about family? Are they showing you that family is, you know, this is what we have as a family or this family is earned here. You earn being a part of this family. This is a family without me even telling you. And I think that's what's really going to separate some of you, some of the college programs to the rest of them is that, they just show you. They don't need. They're not even preaching it. They just show you. So um, definitely a few things to look for in there um, when you're when you're going through the recruiting process is definitely just to be able to you know understand that family is is shown, not just preached. Um, and you know don't ever get promised playing time and understand that you know you're going to be at that college spot three or four years, not just three to four days. So definitely have a big understanding of that in the process for sure. I know a big concern that I've heard from a lot of people is with the transfer portal and everything that's happened there, how much it they're expecting it to at least affect high school recruiting for some of their kids. For sure. The numbers in the portal, how many do end up finding new homes, et cetera, all those different statistics. But how can high school kids counteract that and maybe make it so there's less or even not a worry at all about, hey, okay, there's some extra kids in the transfer portal they may take, but how do you just not worry about that as a high school kid and get yourself to that point to where you counteract that and heck, no matter what, you, you can still get yourself to an home. Right. I mean, I think it's hard uh, not to look at the transfer portal. And I think it's hard also not to look at junior college football. 
you got two factors now that you're battling against, not just transfer portals, junior college as well. So you got to understand when you're also looking at these college programs, look at their roster, what's currently on their team. Okay. So if you're a linebacker, right, you're an inside backer and you look at the roster, you see about 14 backers. They're all sophomores and juniors. You probably aren't going to play for a very long time unless you're a game changer. You, you, you want to face those odds. You want to go in there and compete by all means, go in there and compete. And if it's a great fit, but I'll tell you what, if you want to go in there, and understand that you got a fair shot. Look at the positional guys. See how many guys are there at your spot and understand that, you know, if they only got six or seven dudes, maybe that's something you can compete with and understand that that's a roster that you can manage and ultimately climb up when you get into the building. So um, definitely understand what's on the current roster and what they're currently recruiting as well. And ask these tough questions to these college programs. Ask the tough questions to the college coaches. Are you recruiting me as an inside backer? Are you recruiting high school guys? Or are you also recruiting the transfer portal? Are you also recruiting JUCO? These are more than acceptable questions to ask. And you can be as upfront as possible with these guys because they can be as transparent with you with, with where they're at as well. I think it's a two-way street in the recruiting. You should be able to interview them too. They shouldn't just be able to interview you. Ask all the important and right questions on who they're recruiting as well and who's currently in their building so you have a fair chance to compete when you get there at the next level. So I highly suggest asking who they're currently recruiting right now and understand that like, that's, that's who they're going to, that's who they're going to try to pursue. And do you want to, do you want to be faced up on those odds? And I think that's, those are completely fair things to ultimately observe in the recruiting process as well. It's one of those things too, right? And you're, when you're looking for a college to attend, you want to ask questions when you're on tours, you want to ask questions to people wanting the university or for jobs, you ask the interviewer, some questions about the company that you might not know or some questions that there is. And if you don't ask questions, you'll never know. And then who knows, you get there a year in, you're like, this is not what I expected. Well, maybe it's because you didn't ask any questions and college right. coaches most of the time, almost all the time, they're going to be honest with you and tell you straight up who they're recruiting, what their board looks like. Right. Got to ask those questions, right? That's what you're supposed to do in class jobs. If you don't ask those questions, you're not really going to know what's going to go on in anything. hundred percent. Couldn't agree with you more. And now you're scouting in terms of positions. Let's make every answer as quick as you can. Okay. Just then you look for when scouting each position first. Let's start off with the quarterback. I think quarterback, first thing we look at, composure. You know, I, I, is he calm when he's under center? Is he calm when he's in shotgun? Is that kid got relaxed feet when the ball snapped? I think that's the one thing I think I look for right away. Is he tense? Is he shaken up by pressure? Or is this somebody that's going to be sitting in the pocket willing to take a shot? Um, the other thing I think I look for as well is mechanically, um, are his feet set? Is he throwing off that front foot? Is he throwing off that back foot? You know, where is his release point at? And I think those are just a few things to look for in the quarterback. Is he really a gamer? Is he going to be a game changer? And can he throw the ball well intermediately with accuracy and downfield accuracy as well? So um, definitely kind of the few things I look for right away when we start talking about quarterbacks. And what about running back? Um, running back, I think the first thing for me to look for is the guy going to move. Is he going to run straight forward? Is he going to go side to side and be kind of a shifty, shifty, you know, vision guy? Um, you know, if we got a straightforward running back that's willing to really punch that two, four, six hole, one, three, five hole, you know, a guy that's really going to come through and, and run through his right run gap and make a play, um, that's a difference maker. That's a guy that's going to be willing to fight for those extra yards after contact. Um, I think that's a huge thing for me that, that, that I look for in RBs, man. Can you fight for yards after after that first initial hit? Can you continue to make plays after that first initial hit, after the contact, and um, continue to extend? Um, running backs got to be able to keep their feet moving too. 
Um, if you stop your feet, you're not going to be a guy that's going to be willing to compete for me or any college program around the country. You got to be able to keep your feet continuously moving, regardless of how many guys are on top of you, how many guys are hitting you. And if your vision is obviously really consistent, can you find those running lanes? Can you find those running holes? Can you shoot them and really be able to get that second level speed after contact as well and get those yards, you know, passing and be able to extend far away from your defenders? So definitely a few things to look for in the running backs quick right there. How about inside receiver and outside receiver? Ooh, inside receivers and outside receivers. All right. So if we're talking about an inside receiver, um, you know, how explosive is he, you know, off of his stance, man? Is he taking a few little shifty steps or is he a guy that's really going to be able to get out of there and explode? Um, another thing when he's breaking in and out of routes, is he sinking his hips? Is he really being able to get down there, you know, sink his hips and really being able to separate himself from opposing defensive backs and really be able to get those yards after catch as well? I think that's really impressive for me from an inside receiver standpoint, um, outside receiver standpoint. Is that a guy that's really going to be able to extend the field vertically? Um, that's a huge thing to look for. Can you extend that field vertically, separate himself from that second-level gear, um, separate himself from defenders? Can he high-point the football while it's in the air? Can he be a 50-50 guy? Can he be a guy that can go up and get it and compete for that football, or is he going to be a guy that's going to wait for it and come to his hands? Um, you got to be able to compete for that football. And then another thing, when you're separating from those routes, are you really being able to sink those hips as well? Can you separate yourself in and out of breaks? Um, and those are kind of a few things I look for from the outside receiver spot as well. And what about tight end? Uh, tight end. Tight end is probably one of my favorite positions to evaluate on top of all this line. Um, tight end, whether you're in the slot or whether you're in the, uh, you know, whether you're on the line of scrimmage, um, you know, you got to be, you got to be a difference maker. You got to be a guy that's going to be willing to catch the, fall, catch the football after contact. Um, you got to be a guy that's also going to be willing to extend the field vertically. Um, you got to be a guy that's going to be willing to compete. Um, the tight end spot is a tough and aggressive position. Um, and, you know, from a blocking standpoint, man, how's your pad level? You can't be bopping up and down. You got your pad level's got to be consistent. You got to play low and you got to battle through contact. And I think that's what really is going to separate the average tight ends from the great ones. And, you know, one of the better tight ends, you know, in the region for me, and Chris and I talk about him a lot, Cooper Flanagan from De La Salle. Um, watch that guy's tape. He does it at a very high level and, and really projects as, you know, one of the top P5 tight ends in the region. That's why he's going to Notre Dame. So, um, highly suggest watching his film for the tight ends in the area. Check that kid out. He does it from a really, you know, high level. He's very fundamentally sound. So tight end for sure. That's that's a few things where you look for right there. So before we go to the next position, let's add some kids' films that maybe kids can check out too. I'll tweet all these different links later. But now quarterback, sure. one kid you could think of could film that somebody should watch. Uh, you know, quarterback for me that I look into right now that you know does all the little things well mechanically. That's really calm. Fluid in the pocket, Aiden Childs, Downey High School. Um, check out his huddle profile. Just committed to Oregon State. Was one of the hotter quarterbacks here in this last spring cycle. Um, really started to see his recruitment jump because you watch this kid in the pocket, man. He's calm. He's poised. He's patient. Sets his feet when he throws the football. And he's really fluid mechanically. Um, Aiden Childs is definitely a guy right away that comes to mind that I'm like, you got to turn on the tape. What about running back? Um, running back for me, you know, there's a lot of guys that I think come to mind for me, but, um, you know, I think it's, it's just a tough position, but Charles Greer for me is the one guy out of Nail Sal that you got to watch, um, really just fluid vision wise, you know, as a guy that can extend plays after contact, he's a hard runner. Um, you know, I think he's able to separate himself, be able to get into that second gear and extend yards after contact. Um, he's an intriguing prospect at the running back spot for sure. Without question. Receiver. Uh, receiver, man. Oof, there, there's, there's so many guys that you can talk about, right, that separate themselves. Um, you know, for me, shoot, 
one of my favorite receivers in the class right now, Jerry on Dickey out of Valley Christian. Um, he's the guy you got to turn on the tape. Um, definitely a guy that can extend the field vertically, make plays um, after the catch. Um, he's really fundamentally sound and be able to sink his hips in and out of breaks. Um, he, he's a guy that's obviously going to the next level, going to go play at Oregon, being that explosive offense. He really fits that mold of being able to air out the football vertically. And he's somebody, he's a guy that you got really got to turn on the tape and know that he's going to be an elite playmaker and really learn after so that you can improve your game as well. And then what are you looking for when scouting the offensive line and who's a good example at that spot? Oh man. I mean, the offensive line, I think is, is, is such a wide range of positions that we're looking at, obviously center offensive guard. Um, and then we're looking at, um, you know, the offensive tackle spot. Um, you know, I think breaking down all those, man, I think the first thing I look for is pad level. Um, does that guy have solid knee bend or is he got really going to pop up out of a stance and really lose all leverage right when the ball snapped? Another thing we look for is, you know, is he going to continue to drive his feet through contact? Is he going to put you on your butt and really be able to showcase that he's a blue collar, tough, tough son of a gun and really be able to be a tough guy in the trenches? Um, you know, Chris and I, you and I talk about, we're talking about the offensive line, man. You got to be tough and you got to be a hard nosed football player. So um, when you're playing in those, in, in that interior offensive line, when you're playing offensive tackle, you got to be a tough guy. You got to be willing to take that contact, take those hits. Really, really be able to place those hands right in that chest plate and drive through contact and drive through the whistle. Um, and a guy that I think does that at a, at a high level, does a great job, is Luke McClenclo out of uh, Oaks Christian High School. He plays at an elite high level right now um, over there. And he, he's got a top five of some of the top power five programs in, in, in the country. So, um, you know, he's a guy I definitely would emulate that, that tape off of for sure. And the defensive line, interior defensive line and on the edge, what are you looking for at those spots? Oh, man. I mean, if you look at the interior defensive line and on the edge, I think you look for explosiveness off the snap, right? Is he going to be a guy that's going to be a difference maker off the snap of the football, really take a nice explosive first step and really have engaging and violent hands at the point of attack? Um, is he, is he, is he going to be somebody that's going to engage with his opposition, separate, and then be able to make plays in opposing backfield? Is he going to be a difference maker? Um, I think another thing we talked about explosiveness as well, what kind of intertwines with that concept is motor. Um, how, high are his, how high is his motor, man? Is he going to be a guy that's going to compete be willing to really be able to fight for that football, really be able to fight off those offensive linemen and really make plays in opposing backfields. And that's something that we got to do here and really be able to be difference makers. So, um, you know, I think a guy that comes to mind for me, man, out of uh, Amador Valley, Brady Nasser. Um, he is nasty as all get out, man. He's violent at the POA. Um, he's engaging with opposing linemen. He's a guy that's really going to be able to make some plays in opposing backfields for sure. You know what the best part of Brady Nasser is that just shows it in this film too? Speaking with him last year, he said he's got an anger problem sometimes when he plays football, and that's the best way right. to release that, right? You just be physical, be aggressive, and he's that perfect example. If you haven't checked out his film, he's a great one at Amador Valley. There's a reason why he's got all these different offers coming in from Power Fives, Group of Fives, every single school much on the West Coast is offered. But now the linebacker spot, interior linebacker, then outside linebacker. Right, definitely. I mean, we, we, we look at there, – there's so many different types of linebackers, right? We look at the inside backer spot. Um, you got to be a guy that's going to be sideline to sideline. You got to be a guy that's willing to compete for that football and make plays. Um, you think another thing that I think we look at inside backers too is how's your pad level? Because your pad level better be consistent because when you get in, you get in that, that collision spot with your opposition, man, if you're too high, you're about to get ran over, and that guy's going to continue to extend yards after the contact with you. So um, you got to play low, um, and you got to be – you got to play hard. Um, you got your first step better always be forward and not backward. I think when you're playing that inside backer spot, you got to be willing to be sideline to sideline and make plays. Um, you got to be willing to compete. You got to be extinctual too. 
You got to read the football, yet be patient, yet reactive at the same time when you're playing that inside backer spot, I think. So um, I remember when I played, man, I was a bit too reactive and not enough patience when I'm playing, playing the inside backer spot. So you got to be patient, read the flow of the football, and then react and go find it, go make a play. So um, definitely, you know, I think those are a few things. And also have fluid hips and change of direction, man, when you're playing that backer spot. If your hips are stiff, stiff as molasses, you ain't going to be able to move. So make sure you got those fluid hips and you change of direction um, at that inside and outside backer spot. Really be able to cover space at that outside backer spot as well. Be able to come down and make some plays. So um, definitely a few things you look for there. Um, and I think a linebacker that I got to point out, you know, that that does that at a high level is uh, Trey Edwards at a modern-day Catholic. He does that at an incredibly high level. Um, he's a really instinctual inside backer, um, really special playmaker, and he's the guy that's committed to UCLA, and rightfully so. So, um, you know, he's a high-level playmaker. And a guy at the outside backer spot, kind of a hybrid guy, um, taking over at, um, at modern day for David Bailey, who's now heading to, over to Stanford. Um, this is a 2025 backer for me that's really just skyrocketed. Will be a national recruit is Nasir Wyatt out of modern day high school. He is a tremendous playmaker, can play on ball, can play that 4-3 outside backer, really play off ball as well and cover in space. Um, he's somebody who's take you got to watch, and you're going to see he plays at a high level. So um, definitely a few guys there that, that come to mind right away. I think Nasir is one of the more technologically sound players right now in that 25 class regardless of position, and he will be a high-level prospect coming in here this fall and in the next couple of years for sure. And he's already had 2025 guy to get some traction. So, And that cornerback spot now. Oh, man, that cornerback spot I think is, is, is a loaded spot. I think when we look at the cornerback position, um, you really got to have discipline eyes and man coverage in its own. You got to really be able to track hips of your opposition, track them where they're flowing, tracking where they're flowing the football, um, and really be able to have those fluid hips and change the direction as well. Um, obviously don't lose eyes on your man and obviously track the football while it's in the air as well, but you got to have discipline eyes and man coverage. I think this is a huge part of that. Um, you also got to be willing to come downhill as well and make a play um, in, in opposing backfields. And you got to be able to, you know, make a tackle for loss as well. in that short outside pass, outside run, outside screen game as well. You got to be able to make a hit. Um, and I think, uh, you know, a guy that does that right now at a high level for me, that's starting to skyrocket in, in his recruitment is William Fowler out of Washington Union High School in Fresno. Um, he's a guy that does that at a really high level. And he's got long arms and he's fluid and change of direction. And he's got to come down and make a play as well. So definitely Will Fowler, for sure, is a guy to look at at the quarterback spot. In the last couple of spots, we've got free safety, strong safety. Oh, man, I think free safety and strong safety are both positions that I think are uh, really intriguing spots. You know, I think they both show showcase a few different things. You know, the free safety spot, you're more playing that deep third, that high level, uh, you know, that high part of the football field. Um, you got to be able to track the football as well in space, track it while it's in the air. Um, you got to also, you know, be able to have fluid hips and change the direction, yet come down, fill that alley and make plays in the run game and in the outside zone game. So um, you got to be a guy there and have the strong safety spot if you're a man coverage man. Just one eyes and man coverage, have fluid hips and change the direction. Um, you got to be able to fill that alley and run support and be able to be a playmaker and run support. Um, you know, a strong safety for me that comes to mind right now, he's kind of a hybrid strong safety, uh, Sean Brown out of Simi Valley High School. He's a guy for me that's really kind of skyrocketed his recruitment as of late. He's a Pac-12 guy right now for me. Um, it's a 2.5 in the system on our rating scale. And, you know, he's a sure P5 guy. So uh, Sean Brown definitely got to watch his tape out of Simi Valley. And he will be a sure Division one guy. And it's, it's going to be exciting to see where he signs. But definitely a few quick notes to look at, you know, from strong safety or free safety standpoint. And, 
we want to go more in depth on that. We'll have one other podcast for that as well. Yeah, we will. We'll definitely have more breakdowns and everything else as Alec and I keep going through this off season. But before we wrap this up, Alec, anything else you've got? Anything you want to mention about Catapult before we go? Yeah, I mean, Pat, you know, you guys in the recruiting process, Catapult is 100% free to all the recruits here in the entire country. Everybody, it's free. and It's a quick link at catapultsurvey.com. Um, I also want you recruits to know as well, man, my DMs are always open. If you got any questions of the recruiting process, I went through it myself during the Twitter era. I went through it myself during the huddle era. I went through it in the self-marketing era of the ways that we got to get ourselves in front of these college programs on our social media platform. So if you guys have any questions on the recruiting process and what I learned, um, ways that, you know, you guys can improve on your ways of self-marketing techniques to the recruiting process, please do not hesitate to reach out. My Twitter is at Alex Simpson five more than, more than happy to help you guys through this process. And, you know, this recruiting process should be hundred percent free. Don't ever pay more than a penny to get recruited. And, uh, you know, those are my last words right there on the recruiting process. I'll drop the mic right there. That's perfect. we got the Alex Simpson iconic mic drop here in the West Coast Preps Podcast Network. Everybody, thanks for joining us and for listening. We're back with our podcast. I know Greg's got his podcast coming back again this week after the Warriors won the title. So that should definitely be a lot of fun with that guy. It was a lot of heartbreak. I think two weeks ago when he recorded thinking the Warriors had no chance after losing, I think, game one to Boston there a couple weeks ago now. It's going to be a good time for him, so be sure to listen to all of these. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of that. You follow us on Twitter at West Coast Preps underscore. Until our next episode, take care and enjoy this Warriors championship ride.